June 2024, you are listening to Living Proof, the cultural archive of real lives happening. Issue six of Living Proof magazine features graffiti writers Katsu and Camel, skateboarders Sean Powers and Tino Razo, rappers YL and Starker, and artists Nicole McLaughlin, Nate Lohman, Fei Weiwei, Tom Hardwick Allen, Ned Vina, and Tao Lin. Available now on our Patreon and online shop. Live Improve Magazine, Katsu Issue, June 2024. All right, boom, we're live. Hello. Yo, immense thank you for, for coming here and, and doing this. It's an immense honor for us. Been uh, watching your band for a long time. I saw your band first time at uh, Worcester, Massachusetts Palladium forever ago. With who? Uh, yeah, I, could, I couldn't tell you. Upstairs or downstairs? It was it was upstairs. Uh, was it at like a New England Metal Fest? I, I honestly don't know. It might have been like the New England like Hardcore Metal Fest thing. Or it could have been uh, like a Bane show or something. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. But so basically, you know, in terms of your life, there's a lot of angles and aspects you could like approach it from. And what I would like to do is just have a general like for those who don't know a lot of our a lot of our fan bases like graffiti writers and uh skateboarders have a general like from s- the early upbringings of your life you were born in mexico and ended up immigrating to america and uh you know like when you immigrate and when usually when families immigrate they immigrate in in, in hopes and search of a better life and when you get here it's not always the american dream that you would have thought of uh, something similar happened to my parents. They immigrated here from Ecuador. All they see on TV is like grass fields and they, you end up in Jackson Heights and you're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, so how, do you have any early memories from when you first immigrated and life in Mexico? Uh, so I don't remember Mexico. I was like three years old when we came here. So, but I remember smells like my mom used to work in the fields and she would have to take me, and I would remember certain smells uh, of, like, plants and things like that. And now as an adult, when I, I smell them, I just get this huge nostalgic, like, feeling of a place I can't remember. So it's kind of bizarre sometimes. Um, but now my earliest memories are all from, like, Long Beach, California. Uh, that's where we migrated to right yeah. after all that. And, like... Those memories were aggressive in the sense of it's it's fucking 89, 1989 in Long Beach. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like a pretty area. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't gentrified yet. That's for sure. Gang violence was like insane. You know, that's like the whole Snoop Dogg, like all that era, that early era. Um, uncle gang member. That's who we lived with. Me and my mother came to America. And we lived with my uncle, and he was just old cholo vato and white. And we lived with his family. It was like four kids and his girlfriend. So there was always like drug dealing going around, like gang shit that like you romanticize as a kid. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's that's cool. They're the cool people. You know what I mean? And then 1992 rolls around, and then you just start getting riots. You get the 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 92 riots, uh, and so I'm like what six seven around this time 
No, I was probably like six years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like six years old. And you're just absorbing this. You don't know. You know, you think America. I had no impression of America because I was so young. So this is just like what you're absorbing life as. You're just like, oh, it's a violence. It's aggression. It's poverty. Because that's all I was shown. So, uh, and now that's becoming my foundation to develop into whatever's to come. You know, your thinking process, the way you deal with people, the way your family dynamic is and how you think it's supposed to be, you know, as opposes how it really should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in like Latino Mexican culture, uh, there's a lot of things people don't want to talk about because it's embarrassing. And if it's embarrassing, it's like a hit at your pride. There's this huge issue with like Mexican machismo and like Chicano machismo that like I never understood like growing up. You know what I mean? Like I knew it was there. I just didn't get it, you know, and uh, and not in a good way. Like that's not a good thing to like understand. Like, oh, this is why they do it. But like you just knew it was there. But um, funny thing that you said this was a graffiti page because I got arrested at 12 years old for tagging. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I had a streak and I was just fucking hitting one, right? Uh, and a fucking cop just rolls me and I was like, fuck. He just threatened like juvie and shit like that. My mom just gave him a fucking ticket. Or he gave my mom a ticket. And I was just like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> and then I saw I stopped tagging. I picked up a skateboard instead. You know. But I think uh, it it's hard to say. It was like, oh, is, is this the American dream? Uh, I like to think about my mom in that case. So my biological father was involved with not so good people and my mom was like yo you either us or them right and it was dangerous for us to stay so my mom's like yeah fuck off dude i'm going to america like she's 17 uh she's 20 years old at this point i'm three right i can't imagine having a child now i'm 35 so i can't imagine me like with a fucking infant like oh fuck no man so like much respect to my mother for doing what what 0.5% of 20 year old women have ever done flee to another country with a child you know um on top of that learned how to speak english she knew my mom is a realist and she knew certain things had to be done in order to advance in america mm. she knew what racism looked like she knew the limitations of being an immigrant you know what I mean? Like, you can't get a job anywhere, you know? Like, and you're going to get underpaid. And that's the reality until you can get to a point where people appreciate what you are as you are. And, you know, so she, I was hanging out with her, like, four or five years old in a warehouse where there was an Asian dude walking around, kind of, like, just looking over all these women, not realizing it was a fucking sweatshop. You know? Like, I was like, oh, my mom worked at a sweatshop, like... Years later, I realized, I was like, that was a sweatshop. Like, and that's where my mom and a bunch of other immigrants were working. And then at night, she would go to school to learn English and stuff like that, you know. Wow. And um, so I think the American dream is, I guess, not so much the land of opportunity, but the opportunity for options, you know more options than you have from where you're coming from. So you are given those like opportunities, 
but not everybody gets those. You know what I mean? Like, let's call it what it is. Like, the systematic like racism in America is very, very thick in the way poor people, black people, shit, even poor white people advance. You know what I mean? Like, rich just want rich people. They want their clique to stay in their pocket. They don't want some, like, redneck kid, some poor black kid, or some fucking immigrant Mexican to, like, take a piece of their pie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, it as a kid, all I saw was all those three people fighting. You know, you got these group of three people kind of fighting over for scraps. And I was like, oh, that's, of course. You know what I mean? You watch a couple war movies, and you realize divide and conquer. That's the best way to win that war. And so it's like, yeah, what's the best way? It's like you convince everybody to fucking hate each other. And then they're all fighting for scraps while they're just fucking sipping back, right? Um, And I learned about that at such a young age. Like, I don't know what it was about me, but I challenged everything. I questioned everything, whether it was religion, school, even the movies I watched, or why people did certain things in certain sports or in certain, like, art forms. You know what I mean? Oh, how come they paint like this and not like that? You know, how come, because, you know, you do that with tagging. Oh, cool. How come they're doing bombs and not pieces? You know, uh, why, if they're that good, why don't they just do oil paintings? Mm. You know? Oh, if they do oil paintings, well, why why do they use these colors and not these? You know, so my mind was always trying to, like, figure things out for some reason. And racism was one of the things I figured out first. So, you know, as, like, a product of your environment, you realize, oh, okay, I don't have those opportunities. So that leads you to desperation and things. Like, what do I do now? Oh, I do know all the people that have nice things in my neighborhood. Steal it. You know? Because the dude going to Pizza Hut fucking 40 hours a week doesn't have those nice things. You know, the one trying to play it clean, trying to, like, make a good living, an honest living... He doesn't have nice things, you know? And you're like, wait, well, I deserve nice things, right? Why can't I have nice things? And so you make those drastic decisions, breaking the cars, breaking the houses, rob people, sell drugs, fucking shoot people. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you're really set up to think you have no options. Funny, right? Because my mom came here. Mm -hmm, Looking for that. Looking for the opportunity of options, you know? And so... I guess, I guess, like, to go back to your question is, like, that American dream was not something I had a vision of or an expectation of. My mother, on the other hand, she worked her way up, you know? So she had this energy to keep going, to, like, keep reaching step by step. So, yeah, we go, you know, now she's a, she's a culinary chef, you know what I mean? Like, and... She still likes helping people. Like she, she runs like a Zumba class, just because she's like my family's always been into like some sort of fitness. You know, like my sister roller skates. Um, my brother loves playing drums. Right, it's like something physical. Like I love. I've always loved lifting weights because my mom got me into it. You know what I mean? She, she would just take me to the gym. She's like, "You're fat." I was like, "Oh fuck, okay." She like go to the gym. I was like, all right. And then I kind of fell into powerlifting. You know, and so it was cool that my mom did have that optimism because with my surroundings it's very easy to get that just fucking crumbled and crushed you know to think like oh i'm only gonna make it at 25 fuck it i'm just gonna live you know 
just hit lakes and act a fool and just did did you have a language barrier yourself oh no um because i came to america at such a young age i was just absorbing it right Mm -hmm. so i lived with my uncle and his kids and they uh they were half white so the baby mama was from my aunt she was from georgia right and he was full-blown mexican so it was it was cool for me because i got to see this like interracial like atmosphere and i remember watching i love lucy and nickelodeon a lot and that's how i learned how to speak english you know spanish was my first language so i would just absorb that and then you know you're also seeing ricky ricardo and lucille ball on the tv another interracial couple so me like uh, like romantically speaking oh yeah i'm supposed to grow up to love white girls right <laughs> so i need to learn how to swoon them i need to learn how to speak english i became obsessed with movies at such a young age that like dude half the shit i i know when it came to like i guess like flirting or talking to women is all from fucking movies like straight like all that shit like watching ghost right like sleepless in seattle you know shit like like shit like i would like 16 candles all that shit you know what i mean like I was just absorbing, like, yeah, that's how you get chicks, like, sick, (laughs) you know? And um, so that was, like, a very great way for me to, like, learn how to speak English, you know? Not only that, I don't have an accent, you know what I mean? Like, most of my family does. And I think because I was just around movies and people that spoke it fluently, too, it was easy for me to, like, just, boom, just grasp onto it and just like not have that but the barriers that came with that were weird i was too white for the mexicans because i spoke very good english and i was mexican so the white kids didn't want to fuck with me because i was poor or Mm -hmm. an immigrant or illegal which i was but whatever you know um so you kind of build this like weird wall and you kind of like not isolate, but you become a, little, a bit reclusive towards people just from like fear of judgment and that like you don't want to build these bonds because you're afraid they're going to turn on you or say some shit like that that's going to make you feel inferior, you know. And that was most of my life really. Just like always learning to be alone, being okay with being alone. And I've accepted this alternate reality that I was going to die alone, you know. And not just die alone, but I was going to die at 25. That was like your reality when you were younger, yeah, you're saying? Yeah, All my friends were dead by 19. You know what I mean? Like, Or they were in prison for fucking 20 years. Well, it's just crazy to think, uh, for me to try to imagine, you see in all the movies and all the news clips and all the stories and all the photos, uh, the 90s, Long Beach, California specifically, just straight up like a place filled with criminality, filled with violence, filled with... Um, and to be growing up in that era with uh, a, like a mother who had has just essentially arrived, like this is a new land to her as well, who might not know the ins and outs of, of the of the situation, and to that like have that be the foundations of your mind is just really crazy. Yeah, it desensitizes you to a lot of things. Um, and Jordan could probably understand this when you're so afraid for so long of so many things violence is your answer to a lot of those it's your response to your insecurities to jealousies 
to abandonment. You know what I mean? That's because that's all you're shown. What what's the solution? Oh, steal it, hit it, or destroy it. You know, it's it's it sucks because you become very lonely that way. You know, and that's why you see a lot of people just like never grow from that because anything outside of it that challenges those like core beliefs is threatening to their identity because people don't know anything else and it's scary to change and when you take somebody out of that atmosphere they don't know how to survive anywhere else so what they do is they cause chaos over here to make them feel comfortable and almost have a purpose you know i can't tell you how many times i got well it wasn't a lot of times i got into a good relationship and it made me uncomfortable because i was so used to chaos and violence and challenging things because why my parents that's all it was i was shown that love was abuse manipulation child abuse lies and empty i'm sorry's so if that's your perception of love it's gonna fuck you up when you're in your like 20s and all that so i had a girlfriend and for the first seven months it was awesome communication uh sex um bonding you know right like even like the dependency parts like they were very healthy we were still our own individually and like collectively my body started to deny that. My mind was happy. I was like, this is sick. I got I got a, a healthy one this time. Cool. My body did not understand what that meant, and it was a threat to everything it's been taught. I was taught to defend myself. This person's going to leave me. They're going to lie to me. They're going to hurt me. They might hit me. So my body's like, oh, freaking out, right? So I just left. I broke up with her one day, out of the blue, no reason. That's when I start to realize how much I didn't want to admit that the past had an effect on my present. You know, in in my culture is like, oh, forget about it. It's in the past. Don't think about it, right? Until happiness shows up and you're denying it. Oh, that's weird. Well, why am I doing that? Where's that coming from? You know, and me being this problem solver, thought I was, I had it all together. You know, you're in your 20s. You think you figured it out. No one, you haven't been through what I've been through. You don't know what I know. You don't know what it feels like to be me. True, to an extent. But with that comes this weird arrogance in thinking there's no work that needs to be done. You know, that you're good. You know you in and out, right? And I was like, why am I doing these things? You know, I need to talk to a therapist. I talked to a therapist and it was the worst and best decision in my life, right? Best decision because I could finally learn more about me and why I function, why I tick and why I cry this way and why I don't cry this way and why I have trouble empathizing with people and why I have issues with my own confidence. But when I'm around people, I pretend I'm like this well-confident man. It's like, well, what's, where's all this coming from? You know, and that's that's the good side. The bad side is I had to reopen all these stories I swore I would never talk about. You know, those things you thought you would take to your grave, 
But those are really the ones that you have to like reopen and dissect to understand where they're coming from and what they're leading to. And um, and it sucked. It it really it really sucked. But it was. It's like any surgery, right? Anytime you're gonna go get surgery, they gotta cut you open. They got to. There's no way around it. Technology's not there. We gotta fucking slice you, man. And that's essentially what that is to get that work done. And uh, um, so now we're changing my perspective of what my body has taught itself to do in the situations that were given to me to where I am now. It's not that violent anymore. No one's hitting me anymore. Uh, I'm not concerned of where I'm sleeping tonight. You know, like these things are no longer variables. But my body is still in that aggressive fight or flight that I might put myself in that situation intentionally because that's where I prosper, right? And this it's like holding onto a knife for so long uh, and it's helped you. It's kept you safe. It's kept you protected. You, you know, you've kept things at bay, right? And those things are gone now, but you're still squeezing that knife and you don't realize you're bleeding the harder you squeeze. It was kind of like that. And so I basically had to learn to just, yo, it's okay. We don't need this anymore. Don't forget how important this was, but we don't need it. You know, appreciate that you had it, but we don't need it. And that was probably like the turning point where I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to change. Not only do I have to change, I have to get my body to, I got to convince my body to do the same. Because if my mind is where my body is, it's this internal conflict, right? This constant back and forth of what I'm supposed, what I want to do and what I'm supposed to do. And uh, it's really like going back to that is it's it's hard to challenge that depending on how scared you are you know like you're talking about the upbringing and like all you've known is like this very aggressive view of the world and surroundings and like you think you have these ceilings where you're going to tap out as a, a young individual you have to challenge that that's important i can't tell you how many people i've met over the years that thought like me that yo i'm 30 years old 35 years old I'm barely getting my life together. Well, why? Why'd you start so late? Motherfucker, I didn't think I would be here. That's why. I didn't think I would be alive this long. So now I got to like, oh, fuck. I got to scramble, find a career, take care of my fucking mental health, uh, take care of my body physically, you know, keep myself in a situation that are going to get me killed. You know, so there's a lot of people that will, oh, you're 30 and like you're living with your parents or... You just got out of prison or you're not married with kids? It's like, no. It's like, why? Motherfucker, I didn't think I was going to be alive. That's why. I believed it so thick and I was convinced of it so much that when that time came, I was lost. When I made it past that point of like my date of death, I was, oh, fuck, what do I do now? Uh, 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 You know what? Maybe it's a little late. Maybe maybe, maybe it'll show up. Maybe, Maybe this year... That time will come, right? And then it doesn't. And then you're just like, oh, fuck, I got to be an adult now. You know, I got to, I got to, now all these pressures society's put on me, all these fucking 
layouts the world wants to think I have to do, right? You, What is it? High school, girlfriend, college, career, wife, child, die. Oh, house, somewhere in there, right? But in California, maybe. You know, uh, and that's just never me, man. It, I don't know. I didn't have a childhood. So I decided, yo, fuck everybody. I'm going to get what I didn't get, you know. I need to get the love that I never received as a kid. And my biggest motivation for myself is usually there was times where I was, I guess, hopeless, where I felt like I had no purpose, right? Like it, it, it comes sometimes with depression. I have constant depression. So it's like this weird wave that you kind of constantly try to ride and not fight the current. Um, and I remember breaking down in front of my therapist and be like, yo, I feel useless. I feel like I haven't done anything with my life. I feel like I have no purpose. You know, like, why do I feel like I need a purpose, right? And she's like, I don't think you need a purpose. She's like, I don't think that's necessarily what everybody needs. She's like, I think you need to be the person you needed when you were seven. My life goes back to this vision of me being seven years old. Anytime I look at myself or refer to myself, it's seven. Most of it comes from the trauma of those years of surrounding that and and i broke down i was like oh i gotta refill this void of this individual this child that was never nurtured in the way he should have been myself now my parents failed at it society failed at it now i gotta do it myself shit okay i'm in fucking tears i'm a fucking mess right i'm a fucking sad clown right and but there was this weird piece in that. There was this like, okay, how much do I love myself? Not much at all. How much do I love myself to want to love myself? A lot. You know, like how bad do I want that feeling of like self-love and self-appreciation? Almost always I will discredit any achievement I made. Oh, like, hey, kids like your band, you, 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 you sold the show to this many kids. Yeah, but it's not this many. I would immediately just sh- kind of shoot down the compliment. I'm terrible at compliments, by the way. Oh, dude, you went to Europe. That was cool. Yeah, but we didn't go to Japan. Oh, okay. Yo, you headlined this fest and it was sold out. And yeah, but like, I think I fucked up this song. You know, I was always looking for things to like criticize myself and discredit. And up until recently, I started to like, yeah, I did do that, didn't I? That's pretty cool. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, same thing with like powerlifting. Oh, dude, you're this strong. I just saw you lift this much. Like, yeah, but it's not this much. Nowadays, I go, yeah, I've been really working at that. You know, may not be the most like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's me, you know? But it's very like, okay, maybe... Finding that self-love isn't necessarily those, like, words of affirmation, hyping yourself up, like, you're fucking sick, bro, like, you got this, suck today's dick, you know? Maybe it's just more like, stop saying the bad shit to yourself, and that's it. Not so much saying anything, just don't say bad shit to yourself. And that's, honestly, that started turning the tide for me. And, but man, it's so difficult to be raised in that aggressive atmosphere and to not respond aggressively. Dude, I like hitting people in the face. Why? 
because it was what I was taught. I don't like that I like that, but you put somebody in a corner, you put some of my friends in a corner, and this is their time to shine, unfortunately. This is what they were taught. This is what they were good at. This was their response to fear, sadness, depression, shit, even happiness. Most men don't know how to project happiness that sometimes it comes out as aggression you know like think about fucking football games right oh they're yeah they're happy but everybody's fucking geeked you know how many times were you told boys aren't supposed to cry you're not supposed to feel suck the fuck up move on put some dirt in it you know i didn't learn how to cry till i was like fucking 32 and that took a while because my body kept fighting it because i thought it was weak i was told you're a coward I was told, you're not supposed to act that way. People will see you. That's an embarrassment. Don't cry in my house. And you're just like, yeah, okay. All right. You know, not realizing all that was just turning into fucking anger, resentment, self-hatred, you know. And it's just like, yo, undoing all that shit is probably the hardest thing. I'm, I'm trying to do 30 years of just over and over, like, these habitual thoughts and reactions and I'm trying to undo that in like five years, right? And that's just not the reality. I know that now it's it's like a chipping game. You just chip away at it, chip away at it. But like like you said, like being raised in that atmosphere distorts everything. Not just the way you view the world, but the way you view yourself, you know? And yeah, that's pretty much how that goes. Yeah, I mean, like it, it really is like a, a very unique, very unique like life path that you that you've been on um in the sense that like although in some neighborhoods it can be common for the for the most part when people hear this they have not experienced like the same type of thing and um like you you said earlier that uh what your mom did when she came over here is something that like five percent or something like that of, of women do um and that you don't it's it's hard for you to to take compliments or it was harder for you to take compliments but realistically, like w- what you do and what you have done is like through maybe even just by sheer chance and just by doing the things that you like to do, but through like the life that you've lived and a lot of the things that you've experienced, the the music that you've created and just like the the life that can be observed, it gives inspiration to a lot of people. A lot of people hear your music and a lot of people, like they really feel it. A lot of people can help them through a lot of issues and uh, even just saying shit like the way you're saying like analyzing the 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 machismo and the culture and analyzing some of the issues you've had there are people literally everywhere that feel this way and they might not feel it's okay to say some shit about it or even deal with it but like vicariously through you can find a way and i think that's something powerful that definitely shouldn't be overlooked by any means um and that definitely has meaning and Another thing that I had on my mind was like, okay, so you came up in, in, in that era in Los Angeles in that time period where, you know, gangster rap is just super, super popular, but you got into hardcore, uh, which I find interesting. Why do you think you got into hardcore as opposed to gangster rap or, or any, anything else? So, um, uh, yeah, obviously a lot of, it was a lot of gangster rap and Selena, right? In my area. And, um, and I think part of that was me challenging authority, right? So uh, in like sixth grade, 
I went to a middle school and once again, I didn't have friends. I didn't, I had some friends in the neighborhood, but in school I was pretty much just on my own. And there was this group of kids and they were, from my first reaction, they were fucking weird, right? Like one dude had like black nail polish, spiked hair. One girl had like fucking jet black hair and like white face, right? And they, they all had like Deftones and Marilyn Manson patches and like just super 90s new metal, right? And like Smashing Pumpkins, Nine Inch Nails, all that shit. And I was just like, I was, I was curious. So why are they dressing that way? What is that? What kind of music is that? Oh, is that like devil worshiping music? Oh, that's crazy. And, but they befriended me. And that was the first time nobody actually judged me or criticized me. They were just like, oh, what's up, man? And that was weird because, you know, when you grow up in gang culture, where are you from? You know, who you, who you, who you hang out with? What clique you from? You know, all that shit. You know, and you're just like, Ugh. you're always on edge on like what you're saying. Like, yo, these, these people just did not care. And that was refreshing. So I was very drawn to like metal and that stuff, you know, fast. And then I started going to hardcore punk shows and things like that. Uh, um, backyard punk shows in LA. And, um, and then about high school, somebody introduced me into hardcore and I was like, Oh, hardcore. What? It's like, no, just, just hardcore. So it's, you know, like hardcore. Huh? And so I had to listen to it too. And I was like, oh, this is metal. It was like, no, it's hardcore. It's like, oh, but this band sounds like a punk band. It's like, yep, all hardcore. And I was like, kind of confused about it because I was so like used to certain sounds being certain genres. And in hardcore, that didn't really exist because you had a band like Youth of Today or SSD or like Slapshot, where are more these punk influenced like bands and then you had like earth crisis and like Madball, and you know um judge where it's like a little bit heavier yeah. a little bit meaner so it was like okay i you know once i grasped that i was like oh wow these pictures look cool because it would be like the inside of a cd or something oh that looks crazy he's like you want to go to a show i was like fuck yeah right and then once I went in, there's this level of aggression and violence and energy when you go to your first hardcore show that can never be matched, ever. Like, it's so hard. It's like fucking doing heroin, right? You're trying to get that first high, and so you keep going back. And sometimes it gets close to it. But for me, that first show was just unmatched, that energy. Like, the chills, like being introduced into something so aggressive and exciting and now there's a fucking soundtrack to it you know what i mean like i was hooked i was like yeah this is my shit this is what i'm doing i'm fucking in i dove in never came out right and it, yeah it was like i just kept coming back then you know within that time too i started reading the lyrics because i read comic books a lot as a kid so i started reading the lyrics and they started speaking to me on such an intimate level with certain bands that now there was no way I could leave. Oh, that's it. I'm done. Like, this is what I need. This this person is talking about my life, right? There's a, a Bane song where um, he was like, I was a 15-year-old kid, you know, uh, or I think it was like I was a 15-year-old kid, you know, who 
just wanted to skate and listen to a suicidal tape, right? Like, all me and my friends did was listen to Suicide Tendencies and Skate. Hearing that in Los Angeles from a band from Boston, from a dude twice my age, was, like, it was pivotal for me. I was like, this dude is talking about me. This song is about me, right? And that 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 was one of the moments where it changed everything, where I was like, I need to get as much as I can from this. Because aggression was always very comfortable for me now, right? Um being the way I was raised, like, dude, I don't even know how many bodies I've seen, like, get shot or died or just thrown in, like, our neighborhoods, you know? And so, like, you become desensitized to it. But the part about hardcore that was so um, attractive was really that, like, really iconic energy, you know? Yeah, there's some bands that do it better than others, but it, it's that same feeling when for like 30 minutes, you don't have to think about anything except that moment. And for people like me who are constantly worrying about the next bad thing to happen, it was very important for me to live in that moment, you know, because when we're at home, we have all these anxieties. Oh, fuck. Am I going to get fired? Oh, fuck. Uh, I'm feeling sick. I don't have money to do this. You know, oh, shit. I'm dating this girl. What if she doesn't like me? Oh, fuck, is my dad going to come back? You know, is he coming home drunk tonight? You know, you have these, like, anxieties about things that may happen. So you're not even in the moment. You're worried about what's next. And Hardcore took that away. It kept me there, present, for the 30, 40 minutes. As soon as the band was over, there'd be, like, a little layover time, and then that feeling would come back. You know, shit, I'm coming home late. Am I going to get yelled at? You know, oh, fuck, I only have four bucks. How am I going to get home? You know, we would take the buses out here. So, and sometimes certain buses stop at certain times. And so it was just like, you know, these other normal anxieties and stuff like that. But that's what hardcore did for me. It made me live in that moment and made me feel like it was okay to be me. And it was understood that a collective of people knew who I was, even if if they've never known me. And that was like... That was that romantic part, that kind of give and take. And then, you know, fast forward, I join a band and that's my way of trying to repay what I think I can never pay back. You know what I mean? Keep playing shows, booking shows, um, toy drives, you know, helping other bands, you know, like things like that. Like it for me, that's like this this debt that can never be like paid. I just know I have to keep giving you know, in any way, whether it's writing music or playing shows or, or shit, even talking to a kid, you know what I mean? Like, Hey man, like, can I talk to you for a second? Your song, you know, help me here and help me there. That, that shit's still like new, new for me in the sense, even though it's been happening for like probably like eight years now, it's still bizarre to me that kids are reading through the lines of the things I wrote, you know, uh, that are dissecting emotions that are asking genuine questions about certain songs that I never thought anybody would give a shit about. You know what I mean? I wrote these songs not to help people. I wrote these songs because I had shit. I just had to get out of me that I was tired of retaining. Um, so it's cool when like things do go appreciated. You know what I mean? When people do, um, acknowledge the things you created and put, you know, put yourself into 
You know, it, it's a good feeling. It's a weird feeling because I'm not good with compliments, but it's a good feeling. Yeah. So, like, I think, I think we can all agree that hardcore just had that level of intensity and emotional drive that other places didn't have. You know what I mean? And it was through hardcore that you were introduced to straight edge and oh, just yeah. eradication of just all drugs and substances. Uh, yeah. So I started drinking at eight years old. So it was bad, right? My stepdad took me to an AA meeting when he was like taking care of me one time, uh, who's probably the source of most of my trauma. And uh, and I remember being in an AA meeting at like eight years old, and it was just dudes talking about how hard they raged when they were fucked up. And like, they're sober now. I didn't know what sober meant. I just knew these dudes were telling these war stories on like wild shit they would do, right? Most of the time it was fighting. Oh, I would get fucked up and I would fight at a bar or I'd go to prison and da, da, da. So as a kid that like worshiped like action movies, all I'm hearing is I drink this and I could defend and I could fight. That's what I absorbed from that not realizing that all these dudes were here because they had a problem, right? And they're admitting it. But as a child, I was like, oh, so if I drink, I could probably defend myself. You know, my dad would like beat on me very often. So it was kind of like, maybe I can fight back. Maybe this is why he's strong. You know, like I, it was kind of warped the way I received that like message. And so I started drinking and I realized, oh, this kind of makes me feel good. It doesn't make me feel anything, which is good, right? If anybody's had a drinking problem, they know feeling nothing is probably the best feeling. And uh, and then that stopped working around age like 13. But I just kept drinking because my friends kept drinking. And, <clears throat> and you know, it's your, your high school punk kid. That's kind of expected of you, right? To like party and like self-destruct and all that shit. So when I found hardcore, there was a band called Throwdown. And I didn't under, I, I knew I had heard about straight edge and I heard about like minor threat and stuff, but I didn't really understand. I just assumed originally I thought, oh, these dudes don't smoke weed. That's literally what I thought straight edge was the very first time I heard it. I was like, oh, these dudes don't smoke weed because in my head, weed's illegal. You can't do that. Right. <laughs> not realizing that there was like this whole kind of like, not necessarily list of demands, but like this structured ideology. And the way it was wrapped for me was a throwdown show. You know, these dudes are singing about being sober, you know, and life still sucking. And and you're kind of like, yeah, you know, but it was kind of like, hey, don't make it worse than it already is type of mentality, right? Like you already have all this bad shit happening. Like, alcohol and drugs are just going to make the situation worse. And I'm like, damn. Because I was noticing I wasn't feeling good anymore when I was drinking. I was either crying or fighting. And so I was like, oh, okay. So now I'm straight edge. And all I do is fight now, right? Like fucking dipshit. <laughs> and, but it took, it took this, it took some of the, like me having to face my sadness. So not necessarily being straight edge was like, did it for the right reasons. Because I was like, trying to avoid certain emotions, you know, that drinking started bringing up. Um, but it was important because I believe I would have been a complete alcoholic if I never stopped, like, for sure. You know, like, I know I can't drink now. Like, 
I don't really care about being straight edge or anything like that. I care about my sobriety from all things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like painkillers. I don't like fucking, I can't stand drinking anymore. Like, the smell of it just makes me nauseous. Weed, I smoked weed in like seventh grade once. And I was just like, this just made me hungry. You know, like, I just, I didn't get much from it. Um, I don't care about psychedelics and stuff like that. Never really done them. I did, I did, you guys know what Hell's Bells is? Hell's Bells? No? Hell's Bells is a plant. And it's a aggressive psychedelic. And you boil it. And you drink it, right? You start seeing shit. I accidentally did Hell's Bells. It was a summer and my friend... It was like... I was in like 6th or 7th grade. No, I was in like 8th grade. Um, and uh, it was hot as fuck. And I went over to my friend's house. They were taggers. And... He had a, a smoothie, a strawberry smoothie. And I was like, dude, I'm fucking thirsty, dude. It's fucking beaming out here. Like, let me let me get a sip. He's like, yeah, okay. And so I like drank it. I was like, why the fuck is this warm? And he just chuckled. And I was like, oh, whatever. But I took a big ass gulp. Fucking 30 minutes later, I look at my feet in the cement and it's like sand. Like I'm just dragging my feet in sand. I was like, what the fuck? And then I have this like terrible anxiety and ants are coming out of my pockets. I'm just swatting my pockets. So I look like this fucking nut job on the street, right? Me and my, my friend's like, what's wrong? I was like, these fucking ants. And he's like, what ants? So I'm like, ugh. And so ever since then, I was like, yeah, fuck all that. Fuck shrooms, fuck psychedelics. Like, ugh, no thank you. Um, but like I said, I don't really care about like being straight edge. I care because it, now it's more just like, it's always, it's never been this thing I like try to uphold. Because my sobriety has always been so important to me that I just don't care to do any of those things anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it's like, oh, you're not you're not proud. It's like, I'm proud to be sober. Like, but I don't think I was straightish this whole time to, like, maintain this title or anything like that. I'm like, I'm stoked because I know if my sobriety breaks, it's probably not a good fucking thing for me. Yeah. You know? Did, did you, ever, do you ever find yourself or did you ever find yourself looking down upon people who are using as, as you are in in the full fledge of just total soberness oh absolutely yeah uh dude my dad my stepdad well when i say dad it's stepdad uh i didn't know my biological father so my stepdad uh he was introduced to my mom when i was six and for the next shit for the next 15 years it was just really bad right so he was a drug addict and I mean, like, full-blown. Crack, meth, heroin, speed, coke, weed, alcohol, right? All of it. If he can alter his reality, he would. What came with that was also this insecurity. And so he would beat on his wife and beat on me and, you know, steal from us. You know, like, I can't tell you how many times I've come home as a kid, look for my fucking DVD player. I'm like... Mom, where's the DVD player? Dad pawned it, you know, to get fucking go get a lick, right? So I associated this very aggressive attitude uh, that he had with his addiction. So I'm like, oh, the drugs are making him a bad person. Drug addicts are fucking shit. Drug addicts don't deserve to live, et cetera, et cetera. You know, also because, you know, it was this person was causing me harm and I was assuming it was because of the drugs, right? 
only to realize you don't need to be on drugs to be a piece of shit. That's the reality. Um, and so when I became straight edge, I was like, yeah, fuck that. Even though, like, my friends drank and shit like that, but I was still like, that's fucking gross. You're gross, right? Like, this very condescending and, like, higher-than-you type attitude was fucking gross. And, um, but that didn't last long in the sense where, like, I didn't care so much about drinking and smoking weed as I did about, like, the heavier shit, like, like meth and crack and heroin, you know, because I was like, oh, that shit's for losers, do 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 just because weed and alcohol is more socially acceptable that's how i like viewed the heavier shit oh you're fucking gross you're pathetic then i went to prison for a drug charge ironically and uh with that i was in a program that was helping dudes kind of get it together right it was like a drug program you know um i didn't do drugs i didn't do anything like that i was just it was just happened to be a drug charge and so I already had this, like, well, I'm sober. I don't really need to be here, right? Like, these dudes are trying to kick heroin and, like, crack and shit like that and alcohol. I was like, I don't need to be here. But I was glad. I, I, I was very glad that I was a part of that group because I saw dudes that no matter how bad they wanted to stop, they knew they couldn't. And it was so defeating to see. This dude was talking, you know, he broke down because he was talking about, like, how far his addiction went like dude i was i sold my daughter you know for sex so i can get fucking high and like he just bawled his eyes out and just you could see the self-hate in this dude and he wishes every day he could take it back right and that's when i started to realize that drug addiction was not just this recreational loser head shit right that is an actual disease and a very aggressive one and then i see dudes talking about like the way the things they did you know he's like yo dude i pushed my my baby out of my wife's arms to get to her purse because she wouldn't give me money he's like i have to live with that like you know and he's like the fucked up part is i still want to get high like i'm sober now but the dude was like i want to get high every day He's like, just to shake this feeling. He's like, that's how bad it is. I know what I did and I hate myself for it, but my body still wants this. And that's when I started to like open up my mind to like the other perspective of the user, right? So I go, whoa, what are the things that led my stepfather to do those things? Because trauma is a cycle, right? It's most of the time it's handed down and the response of that is handed down. My stepfather was raised in a very religious and aggressive household. So he was looked down on certain ways for certain things he did for his identity. Uh, Without giving too much, they tried to uh, cleanse him of his uh, homosexual identity, right? Right? So now this dude is taught by the church that he is gross, that the way he views love is disgusting and that he needs to repent, right? So now this dude's essentially, potentially trying to be forced to be heterosexual when there's a good chance he's not. So that comes with a lot of self-hate. And then most of the time, 
you think other people see view you as a disgusting person too so now you don't think people love you so that leads to drugs that leads to coping now you force yourself because you think your parents want you to be in a straight marriage now you're going to project that because you don't want to be in this marriage so what do you do you take it out on everyone around you your old lady stepchild etc so now my hatred for my stepfather isn't as aggressive because I can understand where it's coming from and how it's unfortunate the events that led him there. He's a fucking adult. He could take care of that. But I also know how far addiction can take someone and warp their mind completely. You know, especially when it comes to churches and religion and things like that that are very selfish and want to control people instead of wanting to improve people, right? And um, so as as a, an adult, I see his mental health and his addiction. And scientifically, I look at, at the reasons that brought him there. And they're very unfortunate. As me, this motherfucker should have gotten it together a long time ago. And he shouldn't be projecting that as an adult to other children or women. Because that cycle is just going to keep going. That's somebody has to stop that, right? Um, but that's that's kind of what like opened my mind back up to like addiction and not being so aggressive to like drug addicts or drug users, even if it's recreational. You know what I mean? I know I don't like it. I don't want to be around it really. So if my friends are like, "Hey, let's go to the bar," I'd be like, "Nah, I'm going home," and they get it. They're like, "Oh yeah, cool." You know, they respect me. I respect them. They know. Oh, come on, just come fucking hang out. It was like, no, they're not. My friends aren't shitheads like that to where they're going to pressure me into doing something I don't want to do. Um, you know, but that that's a long way from fucking kill every drug addict, fucking burn them, you know, kill your drug dealers, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, like, no, that's a, I'm long past that. Do you believe in um like a sense of destiny, like uh like a life's purpose you were talking about earlier? You know, like you it was hard for you to understand that or find that when you were like talking to the therapist that you had to kind of start a an awakening in your life, like a whole new life um in that moment. You know, you know what I mean. And it was like an emotional time, and like that's why like you broke down. Do you feel like it? It was. Do you think of your life in a way as like um it has a purpose of breaking that cycle you're talking about? of um you know not falling into those steps like your stepfather and just uh kind of starting a new beginning and spreading the seed like uh you know of knowledge to you know other people do you think of that like uh, like a purpose going through all that hmm. i've never thought about it that way um my purpose that i've given myself is to undo what's been done so i don't repeat that I've had relationships that were chaotic because I was so drawn to it, you know, and we're toxic for each other, right? And then I've had relationships where I was the bad guy and I wasn't realizing it, you know? I was trying to manipulate, I was gaslighting, you know, I was doing all this shit and I didn't see it until after the fact, until my therapist was like, bro, you're doing this, this, and this. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, look at it, look at it objectively. Take yourself out of that and look at it. And I go, fuck. So sometimes being that toxic person, you don't even see it. 
And I was like, I made, I was like, I hurt her. I hurt this person. I hurt this individual. It was probably traumatic for them, right? And now she has to live with that. That guilt sat very, sat very, very fucking deep in there with me. And I made myself a promise to always analyze my behavior and also ask my partner for accountability. Hey, if I'm doing something, fucking pull me up on it. You know, or write it down and put it in my face. Be like, hey, the other day you did this, this, and this, baby. We need to talk about this. And I promise myself to look at it, okay, objectively. Cool. Because I need to be that better person. I can't keep being what I was forced to be, unfortunately. You know what I mean? I didn't ask to have these habits and whatnot. Some of these were, I was forced to create just out of survival tactics, right? I had I couldn't control my surroundings, so I had to control what I could. Sometimes, unfortunately, you think that's your partner, and that's not cool. So I was like, okay, I need to take a, 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 a accountability for this situation. Ugh, that sucks because nobody likes being told they're wrong, especially after going through therapy and realizing there's more work to be done. So, cool. Um... My purpose with that is look and do better. Just look at it, accept, swallow your fucking pride, swallow your ego, know you're not perfect. And that's the only way you're going to be able to move on as a better individual. And you'll start to have a little bit of pride in the fact that you're doing those things. I feel good that I'm like, I know I'm wrong. It sucks. It came with a shitty feeling. It came with this guilt. I know I'm wrong. Whether I'm spreading the word, I don't think I did it intentionally. You know what I mean? I just, like I said, I just say what happened to me and anybody can take that. I'm not a religious person. I used to hate religion. I accept the parts that are nourishing to individuals. You know, Christianity, Islam, Taoism, Hinduism, right? Like there's there's good there's some good things in all of those. You just get the wrong people to put their hands in it and they spoil it for the flock, right? It just sucks. That's why I don't care about that. Most people will call me a Satanist, but that's sounds weird if you don't actually know the tenets to Satanism. Which if you're a board, just look it up. You'd probably be like, oh fuck, I agree with like eight of these things. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And it's mostly just kind of just being honest to yourself without doing harm to others. That's it. Don't judge other people because you don't know where they've been. And you don't know how hard it is to undo what they're trying to undo. You know what I mean? Like I you know, I some dude could Walk by, say some fucking sniveling shit and whatnot. I'm like, yo, that dude's a dick. Yeah, he's a dick. Like, for sure, he's a dick, right? But you're also, now I look at it a little bit different. I'm like, I wonder what got him there. I wonder what happened. I met a friend of mine uh, this year. And she hit me up on Instagram, right? And I'm assuming it was like this DM, right? Like this flirty thing and whatnot. I was like, oh, okay, who is this? She didn't listen to any of the bands I listened to. She was not part of my scene. She didn't know I was in a band. 
she saw me in someone's story post or video in the background, thought I was funny and like attractive. Hit me up. I was like, okay, cool. Within the first like day, I already had a feeling. I was like, what happened to you? She was like, what do you mean? I was like, something happened. She's like, what makes you say that? I was like, because we have the same type of dark humor. We laugh about certain things that we probably shouldn't laugh about. And we're finding comfort in each other. To me, I'm granted it's trauma bonding. You know, like there's that trauma bonding without un, without actually saying it. You could just, you could, when you've been through something, you can see it in someone else, right? And you find comfort in that because it makes you feel less alone. And sometimes trauma bonding is not a good thing, but it does do what it does where it makes you feel less alone in the situation, in the suffering, in the pain, and constantly making jokes to hide it all, right? And that's what that was, you know? I was able to share a couple things because I'm very open about the things that happened to me. And she found comfort in that and she found connection with that and we became good friends, you know? We even joke about it. It was like, yeah, we, we were trauma bonding, right? Yeah, you know, not making it toxic or whatnot, but just like, yo, sometimes like it's hard to come into contact with people that understand all those things would happen. You know what I mean? And like, it's not, I'm not saying it's my purpose because that doesn't feel right to say, oh, I'm spreading the word. I'm from the gospel, right? Like, no, it's just like, I'm telling you what worked for me. Might work for you. I don't know where you're from. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know how much it hurts. But I know this is what I had to do to feel a little bit better about me and myself. That's really it. As somebody who <clears throat> doesn't smoke weed, uh, got arrested for a drug charge, uh, went to prison for a substance that's now it's sold all, all over the place, um, especially in California of all places, uh, and then you talk about how when you were in prison, you were able to deal with a lot of things. You were able to read texts on Taoism, Buddhism, and spend time working on yourself as someone who uh, was, you know, really into powerlifting, uh, tried to study physical therapy, kinesiology. And then you go to a prison where all you can do is essentially calisthenics because there's not really the weight setup that you need like that. How was that experience, um, your time in there and the whole process? Well, the physical process was humbling. Because I went from like squatting over six, deadlifting over 650, benching over 450, right? And then I can't do any of that. So my body was just going to do what it does. It's just going to get weaker. You know, I was going to lose weight. I lost like 40 pounds. Um, but that made me hungrier. I knew I was getting set back every day. And I had to visualize myself back in the gym the first week I was out. I had to see it. And it kept me, physically it kept me going. Okay, cool. Let's go do some dips. Let's go do some push-ups. Let's go do some pull-ups. Let's go walk 10 miles. Dude, we will walk five miles in the morning and five miles in the afternoon. You know, let's do something that is going to keep that mental, physical stimulation happening. Um, and it worked. So, you know, when I got out, I was, boom. I hit the floor running. I was like, fuck it, let's go. Damn, this is humbling. I could only squat this much now. I could only bench this much now. I lost this much size. Okay. 
well, let's do what we need to do. We already thought about this. We knew this would happen. We know what needs to be done. Cool. So that was very humbling and motivating at the same time. You know, humbling because I was getting weaker, you know, but motivating because I knew I wanted it that much again, you know, lifting and training and pushing myself. Mentally was rough. The first probably three or four months were fucking bad, right? And that's when I realized no one put me there but myself. So something had to change. You know, you after a while, you start to think, why aren't my relationships working? And you can only point the finger for so long, right? Until you fucking hit a mirror. <laughs> and I, I was like, something needs to happen. And so I, uh, I was going to get, I was in the process. Oh, it wasn't a process, but they were trying to deport me. If you are not a citizen, I'm a permanent resident. You can get deported for a drug charge if it's federal. So that fell in my lap. Right. And I was like, fuck. All right. What do I have to do to make the judge like a little bit more lenient on this situation and let me stay? Oh, yo, they got drug programs here. I was like, cool. So I went to the drug program solely to look good on paper. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I had an epiphany. Like, let me go connect with these drug addicts. Like, no, like I went there solely to look good for the judge. Once I was in there, I was realizing, oh, this is serious. Like, these people are struggling. Like, they're in and out of prison. They don't know how to stop. And I swore to myself, I will not let myself get there. This will be the one time that I need because I needed it. And this is going to be the only time I need this. So at that point, I was like, okay, I'm not a Christian person. Everybody's fucking very religious in there because it gives them hope, right? It gives them that extra support that they feel they need to keep going, right? I don't really need those things. I've always felt like on my own with or without faith. You know what I mean? I lost my faith at a really young age, like eight years old, you know? Um, But we were all raised Jehovah's Witness. So that was already a cult in itself, which was fucking weird. Um... And so I read other things, you know, uh, I was big on Buddhism and stuff like that. I was like, oh, this is what Buddhism is. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Yeah, I don't really fuck with this, this and this, but this right here, this, this is kind of talking to me, right? Same thing with like certain parts of Hinduism. I was like, oh, hey, this part's pretty cool. I like this, you know, and a friend sent me the satanic Bible on X, on like as a joke, right? Like, and I was like, oh, fuck it, I got a book, read it, right? You have nothing to do. So I read it and I was like, oh, yeah, this is sick. I was like, yeah, this witchcraft stuff is silly. But like the essentials, like the fundamentals of it, I was like, yeah, this is actually kind of cool, you know, where it basically is just like, just take everybody in as they are and try not to change people that doesn't make them happy. You know, I'm not going to try to make you guys a certain way just because that makes me happy. This, You know, shoe don't fit. That's a reality. You know, we're all from different places and we can be in the exact same situation and have a completely different outlook on it and response to it. Right. 
some people house is burning they run in to save somebody us we run the fuck out of there because fight or flight said yo we got it we 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 don't know that person not the not worth my breath not worth my life right and so like neither are good or bad you know what i mean like it's not bad to you know save yourself you know and not risk dying and it's like oh now you're risking two people potentially dying right and it's also not wrong to be selfless and go the other direction and try to help somebody knowing the risk that you could both probably die it's not wrong so it was it's one of those things where like i just kept reading and absorbing and trying to look at everything from every perspective i talked to older dudes that have just been there a long time and they're just like dude i've been here since i was 18 i'm 45 next year you know like and I just see the fucking defeat in their eyes. And I just go, fuck, man. Like, that shit, that shit was heartbreaking. And I was using those things to, like, okay, you just need this one time, Walter. This is it. This is your sit down. This is your own reality check. No one's going to do it for you. You know, you can't wait for people to do things for you. Because you're probably waiting most of your life, you know. Or you'll be waiting on the, you'll be waiting on the wrong people. And so... I I did everything I could. I was like, fuck it. Let, yeah, let's let's do the therapy. So the therapy in prison was kind of fucking aggressive. It was one hour with the counselor, four days a week. And then two hours after the one hour session with a group. So, you know, my one-on-ones were very intimate, you know, because I'm a fucking machismo dude at that time and i was like oh i'm not gonna tell these motherfuckers i got touched like fuck that like you know what i mean like that's just it's your personal uh information and you don't have to share those things with people just because you're in a group where people are sharing things right so i just kind of sat and listened and listened and that's what it taught me it taught me how to listen to people and how to keep my fucking mouth shut because for a long time i would talk to control the conversation right and once I started listening to people, I started realizing my own arrogance, my own like pseudo confidence, right? Like this fake personality. I always ha- I felt like I had to be overly confident, arrogant, like I didn't care about anything, right? Like nothing could affect me. You know, it was, it was, all, it was all just projections of my insecurity, right? So like, because if you're confident, nobody's going to ask you if you like yourself. Right. If you look happy, no one's going to ask you about your waves of depression. Right. You only see what people post, you know, the pictures and the frames. You don't see everything behind that. And, you know, that's when I was realizing a lot of these dudes that outside of that room that I thought were fucking scary and hard were like suffering. Right. Internally because of the actions they did or the things that led them there and stuff like that. So ever since then, I did my best to try not to be so hard on criticism towards people that have done bad things you know what i mean because i'm sure people look at me that way like oh this fucking dude you know you straight edge you fucking sold drugs and right and it's just like okay yeah whatever but they don't understand everything that led to that it wasn't one thing you know it was years and years of just like molding like my mental state my emotional stability and that just happens to be one of the times 
it blew up in my face. I was really it, you know? And uh, so I try not to do the thing where I judge so aggressively. I can't say I don't because there's definitely things that happen where like, yo, this guy's a piece of shit. Let's beat his ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's, it, you know, it is what it is, you know, but I try not to think about those things and, or at least I try not to jump to those responses first, right? You get older, you start to be like, yo, I should have gone to prison for other shit. You know how many motherfuckers like you fight and you could have gone wrong. You hit a dude, fucking hits his head on something, dies, you know, some shit like that. And that no, there's no cameras to prove that. As far on paper, the cops know you killed this dude, right? And that's just one of the things that just never happened to me, you know? Or somebody could have hit me and I die, you know? And as you're older, you start to realize the bullshit you don't need to put yourself in, you know, just to try to prove something, you know? You don't you don't feel like you need to be aggressive as much anymore because you think everyone's out to get you you know you you start to look for things that make you okay with just being how you are you know what i mean you start like you start to appreciate your own time with yourself at least i did and that's what i like i i've been more focused on and um i'm i've never been like a social butterfly or anything like that i've always liked my time alone or with my personal people, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, I, I wouldn't, it's hard to say if I'm a spiritual person, but the things I do are good for my spirit. You know what I mean? The things I focus on are nourishing my spirit. You know what I mean? Uh, how much time I spend on my phone, how much time I spend with people that, aren't really doing anything for me, aren't stimulating. You know what I mean? Like we sit down and we chit chat about a lot of things and, you know, I have a lot of mutual friends, but I don't hang out with them because I know if I go there, it's going to be like, oh, did you hear? I fucked so-and-so or yo, did you hear about so-and-so? They've been doing this shit and that shit. Or yo, did you hear that shit on the news? Like, uh, you know, I'm just like, oh man, like none of this is feeding me what I need. Like talk to me about what you've been doing. Where are you going? How happy are you? What's going on? What are you in love with? You know, what are you, what are you excited about? You know, you know, what's, what's been bothering you? You know, talk, let's fucking dissect that shit. You know, that shit. I love that stuff. You know, last thing I want to know is you fuck two chicks at a bar. You know what I mean? Like, cool, dude. <laughs> I mean, great. Good for you. But like, I just don't care. I, it, it, none of that is stimulating to me, you know? Um, so I think when it comes to like spirituality quote, right. Uh, I'm more just looking for things that nurture my spirit with myself, you know, like what, what are the things that are going to make me happy? Just me on my own, you know, cause there's going to be those times when you are on your own and we're so used to having someone there to reassure us that we're good people and right now. And, but there's going to be those times when you don't have that. And prison was one of those things where like, yo, you ain't got fucking nobody right now, man. You got a 15 minute phone call with a girl that doesn't really want to talk to you today. I'm like, Oh fuck. Okay. Uh, okay. So I'm in this by myself. Let's, let's enjoy me and work on me to where I know 
if something goes wrong, I got me, right? Like, that's really what I try to prepare myself for, to be alone happily, you know? Because I know if I'm happy alone, people will be happy with me when they do enter my life. You know what I mean? And, you know, just loving yourself in general. Not saying that I love myself. I'm better at it now than I ever was, which is sick. I'm not where I want to be. But I know that I've learned how to allow things, how to let people love me. Like, that was not a good thing for me for a long time. Now I'm letting it in. Okay, this is this is weird, but, you know, I know this is good for me, and it does feel good, but just kind of bear with me, you know? Or appreciating myself for things I do or um, setting my boundaries. You know what I mean? Like some of us are people pleasers and we let motherfuckers just take advantage of us. And you know why? Because we want them to be happy. And sometimes we let them cross our boundaries to do so. We give too much of ourselves in an unhealthy way and that's not good either. Or for me, my most important achievement is acknowledging when I was wrong. Nobody wants to be wrong. I hated being wrong. You know, I had a girlfriend and she had told people I had treated her a certain way. And initially I was like, wait, what? Uh, what? You know, they weren't there. Uh, and then I was like, wait, no. Let me think about that. Let me bring it up to my therapist. Hey, my ex said this about me. Okay, well, what happened? Well, this part happened, but I think she blew this part out of proportion. She's like, yeah, but you're not her. So you have no say into how that's going to affect her. I go, fuck. She's like, why didn't you do it this way? Oh, I don't know. Oh, shit. Damn. You know, you start, you come to those realizations of like, ah, I thought I didn't fuck up, but I did. Okay. How do I work on that? You know? And that's when you pay somebody because... As much as I love self-help books, you need an outside perspective of somebody to call you on your bullshit. You just have to be brutally honest with the things you do and did. Be like, yo, I did this, this, and this. And, you know, my therapist would be like, you're a piece of shit. And I'd be like, "Mm, yeah, huh? Like, yeah. Okay. Well, why did you do those things? I was like, honestly, I don't know. Okay, cool. Let's work through that. Once you realize why you're doing these terrible things to people and hurting people... You you dissect that origin a little bit more and you go, oh, fuck, okay. And now you know where that's stemming from instead of you just doing it habitually. You know, I I would always try to fix people's problems. Like if a girlfriend was like, hey, I'm having trouble with this, this, and this. And I'm like, my body won't want to receive that emotional weight. So I go, oh, well, if you do A, B, and C, that's no longer a problem. What I just did may sound helpful, but from her eyes, he didn't even listen to me. He's trying to fix a problem. All I wanted to do was vent. I didn't want the problem to be fixed. I could fix the problem. I just wanted to talk to my partner about my feelings. Me, I'm not good at that. So now I have to work on those things. I have to not try to solve people's problems and instead listening and sometimes That is solving the problem. Sometimes you just want to talk to somebody. And me, I don't vent. So I responded in how I would have wanted someone else to respond to me. Hey, uh, I'm feeling like this, this, and this. Okay, cool. If you do this, this, and this, you should be going to go work out. 
Cool. Right? That works for me. That's not a universal thing. So, and I have to be more empathetic with the partners I have because I'm just going to keep fucking it up. You know, I don't want to die fucking old. I'm okay with dying old and like by myself. I don't want to. You know what I mean? And, but, you know, those are the things that keep you from enjoying partnerships and uh, healthy relationships and, you know, being nurturing for your partner, people that want to spend time with you, even your friends, you know, like how many times have your friends come to you and you're, I've just said, yo, let's go beat them up. I'm like, okay, well that may fix a problem. Kind of, you know, (laughs) like, or it'll just add more problems, whatever. Uh, Instead of going, well, why do you feel that way? Why do you, why do you think that is? What's up with that? Okay. Why are you spending so much time on that person then? If they're doing this with so-and-so. I go, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Nobody likes to be embarrassed. Nobody likes to be defeated. You know what I mean? And sometimes we can't, I mean, most of the time we can't control other people, but we can control our emotions and our decisions from making things worse. And it, you know, what has street morals taught us? If you hit it, it works, right? Like, unfortunately, that's how I was raised. You know, there's not a problem that couldn't be fixed with a belt. And I have to change that because I'm going to be in fucking prison again if I don't change those things. Mm. And, but yeah, but like nourishing, nur- nourishing your own behavior by accepting the accountability of the things you have done is what's made me probably the happiest knowing when I've done wrong to people and change doing my best to change it and take responsibility for it. That's really, and and yo, that's, that's going to help everybody. Like, I don't care who you are. If you did something wrong, even if it's in the sense of like, okay, I let this person overstep me. I let this person take advantage of me. Okay. How do we fix that? I need to set these boundaries. I need to state them. Boom. You just helped yourself. You just helped yourself become a better person. Now this person, if they're like mad about you setting boundaries, probably not somebody you want to have around, you know? So now through process of guard, you're also in the process of self-illumination from people that are probably trying to leech off of you. So, and that's why like accountability is good, whether you've hurt somebody or whether it's things that are hurting you. You know what I mean? Like it's good to have that, to recognize that behavior and change it in order for you to just live more happily and invite good people in your life. So, yeah. Yeah. I just have to say immense. Thank you for uh, coming on the show and, you know, blessing us with your knowledge and your life story and just everything that you've said being completely open and just, just everything you said, immense. Thank you for coming on here and thank you, Jordan, for uh, helping us make this shit happen. It's just been an honor for us. No, dude, this very powerful talk. You're very well-spoken, and you could take so much from everything you said. I can listen to you speak, honestly, till, till I die, like, for hours. Oh, like, you have I, so I much appreciate knowledge. It. And, it's, and the thing is, it's not repetitive. It's I think it's something everybody needs to hear nowadays, and spe- especially in these, like, testing times, if you will, these changing times. And uh, I think uh, words like this are truly what, um, like, what I was saying. I don't know. Like, you say you don't believe in a purpose, for example, but... I think 
this is in a way a purpose i think this is like the the revelations <laughs> so thank you so yeah, much thank again you, so much, I, you know I, I best i can hope for is it helps one person you know if my experiences can help one person i'm i'm pretty good with that you know if it reaches more fuck that's a blessing right uh but yeah if i can just kind of not necessarily steer someone away from doing something bad but mostly just learning that they did something bad and changing that behavior that's that's going to be the you know that's going to that's going to help them more what is it like give a guy a fish he's going to eat well for the day teach him how to fish he eats forever right mm-hmm. so it's like kind of that same like philosophy where i'm just like yo bad shit happens and we can't undo it you know and it's cool for me to connect with you about bad shit happening but how about we just avoid it all completely you know what I mean? How about we just learn from that moment and kind of just feel better about yourself? Because that's really it. We all just want to feel better about ourselves, you know? It's like we want people to love us for sure. For sure. I think the most important thing that's going to get us there is learning how to love ourselves more, you know, appreciating ourselves. And then we're, we're going to allow that, like, better energy, you know what I mean, like, to come our way. Because people that are miserable don't like being around people that are happy with themselves. It's, I've been there. I hated being around people that were happy. I was fucking miserable. I was like, whoa, bro, like you're corny and da, 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 da. And they're just like, no, I'm just kind of just hanging out, man. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Like, you know, and that's because I was fucking miserable. And it was, their happiness was reflecting on my misery. Why can't I be that happy? Why do I feel undeserving of that? Because the shit wasn't going to get handed to me. That's why. Because I had to work for that. You know what I mean? Like, not everything is just falls in your lap, man. Like, some things you got to fucking break down and tear apart and remake and do it again. You know? You, you got to reshape. You're a different person every five years. You know? Like, who you were five years ago is, I'm sure, not the same person that's sitting here. You know? And even on a cellular level, you're physically not the same person. Like, that's the crazy part. Like, if you want to get into quantum mechanics and you know cellular activity and whatnot but it's you know use that if you you know use that if you're even if your cells are becoming new why can't you why can't you reinvent yourself why can't why do you have to stick to the same job that's making you miserable why can't you just jump in a fucking van and do a podcast with your friends and have fucking fun and be happy in those moments why do you have to be stuck behind a desk like i don't i don't believe in afterlife or reincarnation they sound cool yeah that's sick like solid stories right i don't know that i'm not gonna waste this one doing shit that's gonna make me unhappy anymore i can't it's a disservice to me to like the way i love myself you know and like i just can't afford that anymore i'm also not gonna do shit that's gonna put me in bad situations to make that even worse right to bring more misery and sorrow to myself or to the people I love. But at the same time, it's like, yo, like just follow the clouds and see, you know, where it's going to take you. And sometimes you're going to have to turn around. That's okay. Just as long as you enjoy the process and know that you're tweaking every time to make yourself better. Like those are the things that are going to take you to that moment to where you're going to sit there by yourself and be like, yo, I'm good right here. You know, I'm happy right where I am. And uh, I don't think a lot of people get that. I don't think a lot of our parents got that. 
responsibility, social standards, um, expectations, you know, like I can't imagine being a parent. That's rough. You know, your ever, all your decisions will mold onto this child. will will mold this infant, right? I'm, I can't imagine if I had a child at 15 and then lived the life I did. Like, that would have been fucked. Like, I would have shown my kid the worst experience of his life. Maybe not an abusive one, but maybe a neglectful one. You know what I mean? Just not being there enough. Going to prison. Like, showing him that, like, oh, I can hurt people and we can justify it certain ways. You know what I mean? Like, things like that. Like, yeah, like, that's not... I, I, it's it's important to just look at yourself, dissect it, and go, okay, which direction is going to make me better with me? Not for other people, but with me, you know? And uh, I think that once you get to that point, you start to, like, customize the things that do make you happy and the things that kind of bring nourishment to your to your well-being and just, like, learning how to love yourself. You don't have to love yourself. But if you try, that's already kind of like half the battle, right? Because most of the time we think we're not worth it. Fuck. I, even most days, like, I'm like, fuck, I'm not feeling me this, this month. But I know, okay, what makes, you, what makes you good? All right, let's go to the gym. Let's get some fucking blood moving. Let me talk to people that are like-minded. Oh, how about we just go write music? You know, like, just do things that you already know are kind of secure in that. You know, or, hey, I'm checking out. I'm going to the woods for a week. I don't need all this talk. I don't need, I don't need to talk period. I could just go and just be quiet. And you know, cause we already have enough internal dialogue. Like go somewhere and just fucking sit there, you know? And I think, and everybody's got their own ways to do it. You know, like my ways aren't, guaranteed or certain for anybody else it's just what i slowly figured out through trial and error that it's working for me but the problem is i tried i had to try like i love myself enough to want to love myself you know what i mean like it was like okay i can't be this miserable forever like i'm gonna fucking kill myself if i if i do you know and you know it's it's it takes time and it takes patience and you have to be patient with yourself too. You can't expect all this shit to go away in a couple years. You know, who says your twenties and your thirties are the best times of your life. you could be 60 and you'll be in a moment. And then you find that person that changes your life or you find that moment that you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I could die now. Like I made it here to this place at this time. Took 50 years. Oh, I'm good now. Anything after this, fucking golden you know i think we force ourselves to grow up too fast or we were forced to grow up too fast and we have so many expectations of ourselves right like you know like it it's almost like uh what's the word i'm looking for we're being too hard on ourselves with the way we live life and the, the things we expect that need to be sun, be done by certain times. And it's, 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 it's exhausting. You know, it's exhausting. Like, oh, fuck, I need to buy a house by the time I'm said age. Oh, fuck. If I'm not married by this time, no one's going to want to marry me because 
who wants to marry a 35, 40 year old single man, right? Like that's, that's the expectations we put on ourselves, but that's not how things have to be. Unfortunately, like we are lucky enough to just throw ourselves into everything, fall in love every fucking year. Fuck it. Why not? You know what I mean? Like who's to say you can't keep loving everybody every year. Right. And it, it, it's uh, once we start to get ourselves out of that, like, kind of routine that's been forced on us and these expectations that have been forced on us, we have the energy to start working on ourselves. Because now you don't have to worry about, I have to fit this, fit this, fit this, and now I'm in a rush to get here. Fuck, I don't have time for myself. I got to get here first. You know what? I'll work on myself after that. What if that never shows up? What if something happens and just disturbs that? You just spent the last six years chasing this thing, pushing off your own like self like uh improvement and that thing never showed up and now you're gonna feel like an asshole and a piece of shit and you're gonna feel bad about yourself and you're gonna be hard on yourself when you could have spent that time learning that that wasn't even important to begin with and that you should have come first that's really it again bro yeah thank you so much oh yeah no problem man i love having these conversations no, it's amazing. Immense thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love talking about shit like this, man. Like, I go days without talking. <laughs> so sorry if I blab. No, no, dude. You know? it, was, it was amazing. And I, I'm just very happy that this can be out there and shared and, and listened to over and over. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me know. Like, I always love seeing how these things do. Most of the time, people are just asking me about my band. And no, it's gonna it's gonna do really good, bro. Like powerlifting. So I'm like, when I get to talk about shit that's like really vital to me, I'm like, oh yeah, like fuck yeah, like, let me talk about this stuff. Vital to everyone. Oh, appreciate yeah. it, man. Thank, Thank you, you so bro. much. Peace.